We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Throughout season one of this podcast, you and I learned what it means to make space. We took the remarkable wisdom shared by the folks who joined me and focused on the areas in life we want to be more intentional about. But sometimes the things we make space for aren't what we would have chosen for ourselves. Grief, healing, acceptance of things we cannot change, and the ability to forge ahead on a path that feels unimaginable. Today's episode will touch on all of that. Not too long ago, Matt Hutchins' life looked a lot like many of yours, I'm sure. Loving marriage, a son who makes him proud. At the cornerstone of Matt's family, Helena, his wife of 16 years and mother to their nine-year-old. They lived in Los Angeles, the perfect place for a rising star in cinematography. Born in Ukraine, Helena's credits include films like Arch Enemy and Blind Fire. Matt Hutchins is a successful attorney, but even so, you and I would likely never have been talking about him or his personal life. You see, we only recently became familiar with Matt. In fact, it was October 21st of last year, the day Matt lost his wife during an incident on the set of a movie that rocked the entire industry. You probably saw the headlines. Helena was struck by a bullet when a gun fired on the set of the Western film Rust, starring and produced by Alec Baldwin. Helena was airlifted to a hospital, but died of her injuries. Baldwin was holding the gun. In a tweet the following day, he said, he was heartbroken and fully cooperating with police over the tragic accident. He later said in a TV interview, he was holding the gun, but did not pull the trigger. On February 15th, Helena's family filed a wrongful death suit against Alec Baldwin and other film producers. The suit, filed in the state of New Mexico, accuses Baldwin and others of cost-cutting measures and reckless behavior that resulted in the tragic loss of a young star. Those accused have denied any wrongdoing, including Alec Baldwin. As I sit down with Matt, we will focus on how Matt is honoring his wife, how he's coping with this unimaginable loss, and how he's making space for all the emotions he's feeling in this new uncharted territory. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to a special episode of my podcast, Making Space. So, Matt, hello, first of all. And I know each day is different, but how are you doing today? Well, I took Andros to school, mm. and I feel like I'm doing pretty well. You are. I got him to laugh. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's good to see your kid laugh. Was that the first real laugh you'd seen since the passing? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I make sure to make him laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need a little bit of comedy and and joy in life every day. How do you comfort him? Have you found the words to comfort him? Well, my approach with Andros about losing Helena from the very beginning has been to be very direct. Um, 
from the time I had to tell him to, you know, every day when we talk about her, you know, I, I believe that she is still, you know, with us in our hearts and that she'll always be his mother and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about her. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That seems very, um, like, evolved, you know, because he's going through grief and you're going through grief. I was reading that Andros initially wasn't really speaking much after she passed. How did you kind of bring him back to you? Because you're, in a way, Matt, uh, mother and father. I can't be his mother. <laughs> I I do my best as a father. And I have stayed engaged with him throughout everything. In Santa Fe, in the midst of all this, you know, we went out to be in nature. Hmm. And, wow. you know, made a trip to Los Alamos to just get out of Santa Fe and, and see a little bit of that part of the world. And and try to find something to inspire him. And and so that's really where I see it as, you know, he's a just a wonderful, creative, intelligent child and and kids have to be challenged to engage with the world and to thrive. And so I, I do my best. It's been four months since it has been Helena mm-hmm. passed. Um, when Andros is asleep and when your phone is off, and it's you, just you. What thoughts are going through you? What, what's going through you in those moments? Well, last night I went out, sat in a rocking chair and looked at the stars and thought about Helena. And, you know, there are just so many joyful times we had together. And uh, I try to focus on those positive memories um, and not let the you know, the overwhelming tragedy of it all um, Hmm. taint who she was. I didn't know her, but I know you loved her. I mean, that's a parent sitting across from you in this moment. When you first met Helena, was it wow? Was it like fireworks? What was it like? Pretty much. Was it? You knew right away? Um, It was pretty magical meeting her. Um, I was in college. She was in the States on a student visa, and I just kind of bumped into her when I left class one day. I was walking across campus, and, um, you know, I saw her, and I was like, wow, whoa, how do I talk to this girl? And um, so we were walking the same direction, and it didn't really work out. And she went one way, and I went the other way. Mm -hmm. And then she looked back at me, and I looked back at her, and I was like, you want to come walk with me? Oh, Yeah, come on, let's... Let's talk. And and so we struck up a conversation there. And I was really excited. I was like, wow, this is going great. <laughs> and we get to my front door and I said, uh, can I have your phone number? Uh-huh. And she said, I don't have a telephone. <laughs> I thought, that can't be true. <laughs> That's a line, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I told her where I worked and she came and saw me. <gasps> and so we started dating after that. Oh my gosh. And you knew not just that you wanted to date her. You knew she was the one. Do you usually make quick decisions when you know something's right? Well, I like to trust my intuition on matters of the heart. Hmm. 
So with her, I made a lot of effort to like show her that I felt that way. And I gave her a ring and we, we got married in January after we met in April. I see your wedding ring. Does that give you comfort? I like to think about her and and then this is our her engagement ring that I got her when when we got engaged. I went to Italy after I proposed and I had very limited money. Uh, I went to the Ponte Vecchio in, in Florence and some very nice ladies helped me find a lovely ring for her. Okay. And then I took it to, to Budapest and met her there. And we had a good time together and I gave her the ring and, and it was just, it was a magical time being engaged and, yeah. and knowing we were going to be married and, uh, and still not knowing what the future held, but, but having that horizon that we were going to go towards together. How does it feel having it on your finger? It's nice to remember her. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, Matt. You got a lot. You got a lot. Yeah. Can I tell you something? I saw those wedding pictures. Beautiful. It looks like, if you want to know what love defined looks like, the pictures of you before your wedding, the pictures of you during your wedding. And did she always want to be a cinematographer during those days? Well, not exactly. Not exactly. So she was studying journalism and she had to finish her master's and she did that and then started working as a journalist, but kind of knew right away that she had sort of missed her opportunity to focus on film instead mm-hmm. of journalism. Mm-hmm. And she just felt like she wanted to go to the States and try Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, try Hollywood. Yeah. And so we made a plan and uh, figured out how to get out here and and eventually she made it here to AFI. And, you know, it's very uh, touching and it's an honor that AFI would would have a scholarship in her name because she would have had quite a le- legacy. Matt's referring to the American Film Institute's new Helena Hutchins Scholarship Fund for female cinematographers to attend their film school. So here we are, by the way, at AFI. We're sitting in this beautiful room, a place that actually made a scholarship in her honor, in her name, because she made such an impact on women in, in this industry where there are so few. That must feel like such incredible feeling. I'm feeling it sitting in here. AFI has quite a history. Mm-hmm. And Helena was really excited to mm-hmm. study here. And it's a demanding program for cinematographers, mm-hmm. the top program. And so she knew that she had to really work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had had a vision. And she was incredibly ambitious. That mm-hmm. was one thing that right away when I met her, I saw her ambition. Yeah. And I just felt like, if I could have that ambition in my life, what could I accomplish? Wow. And so when she got here, I knew that she was on her trip. She was on her trip. Well, it sounds like you guys were having a pretty perfect life. You, Helena, she had this career, this budding career, and then baby made three. Ah, did she always want to be a mom? We talked about it right away when we met. And because we were going to be getting married. And, you know, we, we knew that children are part of your legacy in life. And, and I knew that, you know, they bring so much joy. Mm-hmm. And, and she was a very joyful mother. Mm. She really loved it. We, 
would take walks together with the baby mm-hmm. and you know it's it's just wonderful having a child Stay with us so much more with my guest Matt Hutchins Every parent is a busy parent. There's enough on your plate without piling on your kids' homework. And considering how much teaching methods have changed, most of us are a little rusty anyway. Consider IXL, an excellent resource for homework that can make a huge impact on your child's ability to learn. Backed by research, kids using IXL are actually scoring higher on their tests. Our techniques help them master topics in a fun way, complete with positive feedback. We're seeing improvements all across the country as IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. And IXL is also very affordable. One month of IXL costs less than the typical hour of tutoring. On just one website, IXL covers all the kids in your home from pre-K to 12th grade. Sign up today to get 20% off your membership at IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. That's IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. It seems like things came naturally to her. Motherhood seemed to come so naturally. And her profession came naturally. Her relationship with you seemed so natural. Um, Let's talk about her professionally because, you know, there are moments in one's career where they get an assignment or a job, and it is a big one. And I feel like Rust must have been that for her because it was a—it had a big star, Alec Baldwin. It was a big movie— What was she saying in anticipation of going on this assignment? Well, we talked a lot about her career. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that summer she had been gone uh, for another feature that was shooting in Canada. And Mm -hmm. uh, so coming off of that one, we spent a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, we were really trying to just be together, Mm -hmm. knowing that there was going to be some other project that would take her off to work again. And when Rust came along, she knew that this was going to be a springboard for her career mm-hmm. because it was uh, the right combination of people and story and the plan for the production. She wanted to do a Western. Mm-hmm. She had done horror films and, and wanted to expand her repertoire. And so we were watching Westerns and talking about it, and she was very excited. Mm-hmm. So were you guys in communication when she got there? I saw some of her Instagram uh, posts that she was riding a horse. It was pre-dawn. It was beautiful. Um, What did she say early on about what it was like having this experience? Well, she called every night to say goodnight to Andros, as long as it was possible to do so. And, um, you know, we had just bought a house together. Hmm. And uh, right before she left, and, and that had been the culmination of a very long process. You said every night she spoke to Andros and wished him good night. What, what were their conversations like? <sighs> well, they would get on video and, you know, she would just do everything that she could as a mom to reassure him that, you know, he was doing great. And, you know, just give him kisses. Hmm. It's just, it's hard being away from family. It's like but she made the best of it. It's like the simplest thing, isn't it? Do you remember the last conversation that you had with her? 
I think it would have been Tuesday night because they had an early call on Thursday the 21st. And she was having the time of her life. She she was just so excited about how everything was going so well and and just wanted to see Andros. <laughs> I remember I had some friends by and was trying to talk to her about, you know, the things that we had to, just buying a house and, you know, her working. But she just wanted to talk to Andros <laughs> and say goodnight to him and get to sleep. I feel like in life we expect certain things to happen. We expect the sun to rise, we expect the sun to set, and we expect our loved one to come home at night. Well, we certainly expected her to come home and and to be there with us in our new home. Uh, I remember the the morning she left, we had some difficulty getting a car to the airport for her, and she was just so excited to go. And yeah, I'll remember that enthusiasm hmm. and you know, the feeling that everything was going to be fine that we had at that moment. How did you learn that something was wrong? Well, I was in the office that day. I had gone in and was in downtown Los Angeles when I received the call. And a member of the production team told me that Helena had been shot. And uh, my heart sank right away uh, because I had no idea what could have happened. It was completely inexplicable to me that it could have happened at that moment. And the first thing I thought, I sat down and I said, I have to get my son because I had to be with him. Um, And so I rushed home and on the way decided that we had to go to Santa Fe. And it was all happening so fast at that moment. I didn't know what her condition was. Um, And so I got home, threw a suitcase together, got in the car and headed to pick up my son. And at that time I had received the information for the hospital and called them. And I couldn't get any information at first, but I just insisted that I had to know what happened. And when I got through to the doctor and spoke with him and he detailed exactly what had happened and that she didn't survive. I mean, I was, I was heartbroken. Uh, and I knew that I had to tell my son right away when I saw him. So I called a friend to sort of work up my courage and, uh, and think about what I had to say. Um, and I decided I, I just had to be very direct and blunt because going to pick him up and go to the airport to go to Santa Fe, I didn't want him to think that we were going to be seeing her and having fun together and getting his hopes up. I wanted him to know what we were heading into. And um, on the way to pick him up, I called her mother and told her. And you know, she doesn't speak English, so I had to explain it in Russian. And she understood and and we cried together on the phone. She was just asking God why it happened. Uh, and and it was it was so turbulent. Um, I was getting calls from the production team, and I couldn't, in my mind, comprehend uh, what would have happened. and And so I went to meet Andros and and get on a plane 
and I, I knew I, I had to tell him. And so, so we sat down and he was cheerful and bubbly like a child always is when they see their, their parent and they're going somewhere. And, and I, I, I told him sitting together, you know, that his mother had been shot and died. And of course he didn't believe it right away. He didn't want to believe it. Um, so, you know, what did he say? Well, you know, I think that that kind of news, you just have to say multiple times so that it can be believed. And, and so he believed it and, and we cried together then and all the way through the airport. And we sat down and had a snack. I had had the presence of mind to grab some food for us. And then we went through security and we were about to get on the plane. And I started getting calls from people who had heard the, that there was an accident and wanted to know that she was okay. And I had to tell them because it was already in the news at that point. So there were a lot of phone calls. You were the person who was, you and Andres hurt the most deeply. And yet you were the one on the phone talking to everybody and explaining what happened. How, how did you have the presence of mind to do that? Well, I was in a state of shock for sure. But I also understood that you know, everyone was going to be affected by this. And so I was concerned about other people. And so I just didn't want them to see it in the news. And, and so I wanted to call them and, and, and tell them so that they would understand and we could share it together. You seem very logical. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very, very challenging day. But we made it to Albuquerque and, and then made it to Santa Fe after that. Have you gotten a minute not to rationalize, not to, have you, have you had time to like just crack it open and let it out? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had um, an experience like that um, watching the announcement of uh, the filing of the lawsuit and, and hearing um, the the lawyers speak about it. I just, I was glad I wasn't there. It was, it was very emotional for me. I, I try to remember the, the good times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the ocean of love that you received, and it was an ocean. It came from every direction, from friends, from family, from strangers, from loved ones. Um, after her passing, did that give you any comfort? Did that help heal in some way? I'm very thankful for all the support we've gotten from other people. Like you said, that love just makes such a big difference. And I think that that's one of the most important things in healing is to have that love around you. All the love that they had for her just I feel like people need to direct that somewhere and you know I've tried to receive it hmm. as gracefully as possible sometimes it's difficult to be overwhelmed by it all um, 
And with it being so public, it's just that much more difficult. But you know, we, we find ways of getting together in private and yeah. just sharing company and mm-hmm. just feeling it together. More from Matt Hutchins on living and loving in the wake of profound loss after this. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgart Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Alec Baldwin um, called you afterwards, and it was an embrace and a meal. What? Tell me what that was like. Well, I feel like to understand that moment, you have to remember the the shock we were in and the confusion of it all. And um, you know, we woke up in Albuquerque that day, and. And then I spoke with Mr. Baldwin and was just looking for a way through the storm. And I felt like going to Santa Fe and seeing him would be good for me and Andros to understand what happened and and for it to be real, hearing his story about what happened that day. And so we went there and I'll confess, I missed the exit. And was driving for two hours before I realized it. And so I turned around, put on some Pink Floyd, tried to clear my mind. And, um, and so we got there. And, um, and I just wanted to sit down and, and listen and, and try to understand what happened. Yeah. Was, did he seem distraught during that time? There were a lot of emotions, for yeah. sure, on yeah. both sides. Yeah. I did feel that we were both going through the same process of realizing what had happened yeah. because the, the the shock of it mm-hmm. was present for people who were there that day just like it was for us and and that that first night in Santa Fe mm-hmm. there was a big room with a vigil in her honor to talk about it and with people there to try and help start the healing process for everyone connected with Rust. Mm -hmm. And I spoke that night out of the belief that the people who were there shouldn't be traumatized by their experience in a way that would prevent them from going back to work someday. And I was afraid that, you know, the, the reality of it would, you know, just 
maybe ruin their ambition because that's not what she would have wanted. <clears throat> she would have, if something like this had happened to someone else on her set, she would have felt horrible. And I knew that they must feel the same way. Wow. I'm so admiring that you have the presence of mind to think about those kinds of things, given you're in the eye of the storm, you're in the middle of it. You're the one who suffered the greatest loss, and yet here you are. I want to make sure that they can go on with their career. I want to make sure that they knew before they read it in the news. I want to make sure they knew. You seem like you're always, you know, working outside to help to make sure everybody is okay. Is that part of your who you are? Well, I think maybe you've put your finger on it, that when you put yourself outside of yourself and think about others— then sometimes your own emotions seem a little more trivial and manageable and not so overwhelming. And, and having compassion for others and what they're going through can really help you keep your perspective. What happens when you lose a loved one in any way is inevitably people go back to their lives and you're still in yours. They, many people went back to work been four months. They went back to their families. They got to, they got to have those things. And for you, it's not like that. Now you're, you've got a new way of living. Um, how have these months been once the wave of love and all of that kind of subsided a little bit, and now you're going about your business? Well, you know, we keep Helena in our hearts every day. And like I said, I try and keep the memory of her positive and inspiring. And, you know, being a father, uh, I have a lot to do to keep Andros on track in life and, and to make his experience joyful because that's what life should be. And, you know, focusing on health can really help. It's, um, it's important to you know, stay disciplined with yourself and not just lay about. You mean and, go about your, like, yeah, take care of yourself, ex exercising, exercise, diet, diet, all that. Yeah. You're a lawyer and you think practically, I feel like, but there is this big creative part of you, this emotional part of you, this other part of you that doesn't get a lot of airtime. Well, I know that, um, Every moment is an opportunity for joy. Yeah, so we have to look for those opportunities and, and creativity is one way of expressing how we feel about it and, and one way of finding the things that life has to offer. Alec Baldwin did an interview on television and it was a highly promoted interview. People knew it was coming up. Did you watch it? <sighs> yeah. Um, well, as you said, it was promoted. And, um, and so I saw the promos. And, you know, I, I, I can only describe how I felt knowing it was coming as dread. Just terror at what he was going to say. Um, maybe a little bit of hope that there could be something good in there. Um, and so when I watched it, I knew that I was, I had a responsibility to watch it because I knew that a lot of people in my family wouldn't be able to watch it. 
And so, you know, we, we had to be able to understand what was going on and, and to hear what he had to say. Uh, but watching him, I just felt so angry. Um, I had been overcome by this anger when I saw Helena at the funeral home and, and it all really crystallized. And so that I was trying to manage that anger and it really came out when I was watching him. I was just so angry to see him talk about her death so publicly in such a detailed way and then to not accept any responsibility after having just described killing her. So that's how you think? You, th- you think it was Alec Baldwin was responsible for killing her? Well, in the lawsuit that we filed, we've detailed a number of ways that he and others were responsible for her death. Yeah. It was preventable. And she deserved to live. So do you think that the majority of the blame lays on Alec Baldwin? <sighs> Growing up in South Carolina, my father taught me to shoot guns. And we taught gun safety before shooting. And I went shooting with him many times and went shooting with Helena. And so we all practiced gun safety and she knew it. And the idea that the person holding the gun and causing it to discharge is not responsible is absurd to me. Uh, Every individual who touches a firearm has a responsibility for gun safety. But gun safety was not the only problem on that set. Mm -hmm. There were a number of industry standards that were not practiced and it, there's multiple responsible parties. In the interview, just to put a fine point on what you were saying, Alec Baldwin said, someone is responsible for what happened and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. I mean, honest to God, if I felt I was responsible, I might've killed myself if I thought I was responsible. And I don't say that lightly. He said, essentially, he felt grief, but no guilt. Almost sounds like he was the victim. And hearing him blame Helena in the interview and, and shift responsibility to others and, and seeing him cry about it, I just feel like, are we really supposed to feel bad about you, Mr. Baldwin? I mean, that just heightened my anger so much. The anger about that interview, because you hadn't spoken at all about it, and there were so many details for the country to learn about what happened. Why did the, the fact that details were out there, why, why was that so bothersome? Well, I mean, think about how you would feel. All of this happened so publicly, and yet there was at least a degree of, you know, our investigation of the facts could happen in the the process that it usually does. And then Mr. Baldwin goes out there and talks about these details about how he caused the gun to discharge and yet takes no responsibility. And that became such a big conversation around how did the gun go off? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's just very simple that he was holding the gun and caused it to go off. In your lawsuit, you guys um, allege that the gun went off, he fired the gun, however we interpret that at that point. Um, and he stood there and did not go to help. He said 
in his interview that he, in fact, stood over her for, for 60 seconds, he, he guessed. Well, I wasn't in the room, but I do think a lot about what was going through her mind while she was there dying, trying to understand what happened. And I think she would have been very confused, um, very <sighs> maybe lost in thought about life and what could have happened or maybe thinking about me and Andros and our future or all the things that we wouldn't do together. But nobody knows really what happened in her mind at that time. Um, and I can't speak to the minds of others as they were there. So when you look at the whole situation, is justice to you a criminal charge? Is justice this civil case? What What is justice? Well, justice is a is a tricky concept, I think. Um, I'm doing what I can with the lawsuit to investigate and hold accountable those who were responsible for Helena's death, which was preventable. Um, I mean, she deserved to live and nothing can bring her back. Um, every holiday, you know, right after she died, there was Halloween and Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, our anniversary, my birthday, Valentine's Day. I mean, every holiday is difficult without her. And and for, for me and Andros, um, as far as uh, the criminal investigation that's being conducted by the Santa Fe authorities, and we're cooperating, but that's independent. And uh, we're waiting just like the rest of the world for their conclusions. One of the things I just wanted to underscore too is in Alec Baldwin's interview on ABC, he was asked, there are some who say you're never supposed to point a gun at anyone on a set no matter what. And his response was, unless the person is the cinematographer who's directing me where to point the gun for her camera angle, that's exactly what happened. That day I did exactly what I've done every day on that movie. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it. Well, an industry standard is there for a reason and gun safety reasons are, you know, that's human life at stake. So I think we can't be in the room with him when that was happening, but he should have done what was safe. And the safe thing is to never point a gun at a person and always assume that they're dangerous. There's a beautiful inscription on her tombstone. What is written there and why did you choose that? Her light shapes our lives, keep chasing your vision. Hmm. And she always talked about cinematography as shaping light hmm. and it being the art of light. And, you know, thinking about how her light just permeates our lives. Mm -hmm. I wanted to you know, bring that together and, and sort of speak to her and to everyone else who was inspired by her to chase that vision of what life has for you and what you can do and, and to be inspired and ambitious. Mm. Uh, and that really embodied her spirit. When do you miss her the most? 
<sighs> Looking at pictures of her, you know, there are moments when I'm transported back to those times and, and I can feel, you know, how, how wonderful it was. Uh, and then there are moments when I think about just the things that she won't do. You know, like um, I saw a picture of her smiling the other day and I just thought, you know, she'll never smile again. And, and that's really hard. She had a beautiful smile. She really did. Yeah. I also miss her when Andros and I are having fun together. You know, it's, it, it's something I would have wanted her to be together with us for the holidays and, you know, just enjoying our new home together. You know, we really wanted that and, and she'll never be there. There was a letter that was posted by Alec Baldwin on behalf of some cast and crew members in December. And he said, he said the descriptions of the rust set as, quote, a chaotic, dangerous, and exploitive workplace are false and distract from what matters most, the memory of Helena Hutchins. What do you think about that statement? I want people to remember Helena as an artist and her legacy of you know, being a mother and uh, an amazing wife and an amazing friend. Uh, and, and as an artist, to remember that she would have gone on to make great movies. Uh, she was on the cusp of doing everything she ever dreamed of in her career. And that was all cut short. Mm -hmm. uh, her death was preventable and she deserved to live. So should the memory of her get in the way of investigating the facts? I don't think so. I think we have to get to the ultimate responsibility of those parties who caused her death. Mm -hmm. I don't know if faith plays a, a role, but does it? I, I do believe in the power of compassion for others and in understanding oneself and, and your own mind and heart and in staying centered and just breathing and being open to the joy that life has to offer in every moment. Because um, when the future and the past are overwhelming the present moment, you're missing something. You're missing. And yeah. so, especially with a, a nine-year-old boy, you're yeah. definitely missing something if you're not in the moment. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, just as we, as we wrap up and we look down the road 10 years from now, what, what, do you think, what do you think Helena's legacy will be? Well, for me and Andros, her legacy is as his mother. And, you know, she was my wife for 16 plus years, you know, 17 years together. And, you know, she really taught me a lot about living and, and loving and, and, Andros certainly has a foundation from his years with her. Uh, I also want her legacy as an artist to live. You know, her work is out there. There, there are unfinished works that I hope will be released mm. and and reflect her talent. Um, and you know, AFI has created the the scholarship in her name. I think that's part of her legacy. You know, she would have been mentoring fellow female cinematographers, mm -hmm. and that will. You know, help and 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 remind the world of her impact uh, as a guiding light for others. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know I hope that there be some impact in in safety. You know that maybe, maybe people will rem remember Helena and think about safety more seriously and 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 just be that much more 
careful. Thank you, Matt. I know it's exhausting reliving all this stuff. I know it was not easy, but that meant a lot. So thank you. Well, you're a very lovely person. And oh, it's, you it's are. It's nice feel- being here with you. Thank you for joining me on this really powerful journey, listening to and learning from Matt Hutchins as he navigates grief and shows incredible resilience. I learned a lot from his story, and I hope you did too. For more testimonies of compassion, overcoming obstacles, and making space for whatever it is you are seeking in life right now, I invite you to join me for season two of my podcast starting Monday, March the 14th. So if you haven't already, subscribe and follow. Just search Making Space wherever you're listening right now. I'm Hoda Kotb. Thank you for listening. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Ursula Summer, along with associate producer Rachel Young and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathoria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage is our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.